to those who are joining us online as well. It is a great privilege for me to stand before you and to bring the word of God today. We are very grateful that God has never left us without a witness in this house. God keeps speaking his word to us in diverse ways at diverse times through diverse people. Last Sunday, God's servant, Pastor Moses, is not able to be here today, delivered the word of God so powerfully on the third session of our series. And um, I want to believe, God, that you were blessed by that word as much as I was, or probably even much more, my prayer for you. I pray that God will continue to cause us to understand his divine purpose for us through these messages in Jesus' name. We are on the fourth session of our series on the purpose and power of time. And uh, in the first time in the history of this church, we have a series that has a sub-series. <laughs> so we have a series that has two parts. It's nine parts, but there are two parts in the nine. So we're just coming to the end of the first part, the purpose of time. And then the last five sessions from next Sunday, right through to the end of August, God helping us, we'll be looking at the power of time under five different topics. Um, only God can arrange things like that, I tell you. So we are looking at the purpose of time today uh, in something I theme this separation and engagement. Separation and engagement. And I believe we have our banner. And this banner, every time you look at it, the idea is to help you to remember the structure of the meeting, of the uh, series, and to see the listings. Normally, we have all the topics listed on, the, on one banner, but it is just impossible to have. It will be too texty, so we had to find a way to make it. So this is number four, separation and engagement, and you can see it's aligned very well to parts one to four of the series. And then from next week, we'll be looking at five topics, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, that align to the power of time. So the purpose of time in the concept of separation and engagement is something that we should be very, very uh, cautious of uh, following the mind of God. And to those of you who are welcome you, I believe God you are enjoying yourselves like we are right here in the hall and God is being praised. Believe it or not, we are using fans in the hall and at times when I see fans in this country, I just, <laughs> I just wonder... <laughs> This is the same country that at times you, you are looking for every heater you can find in the house to put on. But thank God, that is God's wisdom and God's grace. And the Lord bless you all. The separation and engagement. We, all, we have established right from the beginning of this sharing. And again, I would enjoin you to please write. I will, as usual, quote a lot of scriptures. Uh, my, my belief is that as long as we can keep everything within the word of God we can hardly go wrong. <laughs> as long, that is why you see we quote a lot of scriptures. It's not because we don't have other things per se to say. But, you know, you will hear other things everywhere. If you go to business school, they teach about time. They teach about time management. But they don't quote scriptures. If you go to project management sessions, they teach about time management. And, you know, you can teach things secularly. But we as children of God must always understand scriptural basis for which God established things. This is why we quote a lot of scriptures, and I encourage you, write them down, go over them again, listen to the message again, uh, podcast, audio, video, all the messages, all the formats we have, and it will help you to understand God's mind. We have established that time is a portion of eternity. It's just a beginning and an end, a slice of eternity that God has defined 
so that certain things can come to pass, certain purposes can be established. And every one of us must understand that we need to engage with what he has in mind in every one occasion of time. We have been reading Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from verse 1. Royami led us very powerfully earlier on in the service on those 11 verses we have been reading. And um, today we are focusing on verse 7 and verse 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 7. The Bible says there is a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Can we read that again, everybody together in unison? A time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Verse 8, together, everybody. A time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. We're going to go through everyone today, God helping us. Again, I'll just touch on them so that in the course of the week we can expand on those things some more. But at least we can get the concept very well today. I define separation a time to let go. When we say separation and engagement, we're saying that this is a time to let go. In the, in the things that we have read today, uh, there is a time and an opportunity in some cases to let go. And a time, the engagement is a time to get involved, a time to basically engage, to get involved again. So we need to understand this, and as God helps us through, we will be looking at what they mean in the context of today's uh, theme. So the first thing we want to look at is a time to tear. Let's go back to verse 7. It said that there is a time to tear, a time to tear. There is a time you have to tear something. Now, most of the time when we say we tear something, we think of things like clothes, we think of paper, we think of things like that, things that can be shredded. But the reality is that a time to tear really just mostly talks about things that have become expired in our lives. Expired relationships. Expired old habits. Maybe those habits served a purpose for some time, and that is fine, but a time has come. Paul, Paul said something. He said, when I was a child, I had the habit of a child. First Corinthians 13, 11, I'm paraphrasing. He said, I had the habit of a child. I thought like a child. I talked like a child. I desired things like a child. I basically threw tantrum like a child. All those things I expected. Tantrums are not good, but if your two-year-old throws a fit and says, ah, just because he didn't allow them to have ice cream, you can manage it, you can accommodate it, because whilst it's not good, you can still allow it for a two-year-old. When they throw it at five, you start to get concerned. When they throw it at 10, you are really concerned. When they throw it at 40, you cry. <laughs> Hallelujah. You cry, because that is almost a hopeless case. So there is a time to tear that old habit out. There's a time to rip it apart and say no more. There's a time. Certain relationships are good for a time, and they're profitable, but there's a time to tear apart. Genesis chapter 13 is a very good example of this. Paul, uh, God called a man called Abraham out of his people. His nephew Lot went with him. And then a time came, they were growing as they were taking that journey. They were growing, and the herdsmen of Lot started to fight with the herdsmen of Abraham. And when Abraham heard this, in Genesis chapter 13, verse 8, So Abraham said to Lot, 
please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. Now, at that point in time, there was no strife between them. That is between Abraham and Lot. There was no strife at all. But there was already strife between their herdsmen. And, it, and Abraham, in his wisdom, knew that in a matter of time, if we don't address this matter now, in a matter of time, you and I will strive. So let us not get to that. Let's not get to that. So let us address this. The Bible says, and he said, please, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. We are brethren. We are one. So rather than allowing the strife, let's, let's, let's cheer something. We are not fighting. We are not acrimonious to each other. We don't, we're not hating on each other. But we need to redefine how we relate. Because if we don't redefine how we relate and make it work well, we will either engender strife or we will come to a situation where we are fostering some kind of evil that can take place much later on. So let us address it. And then in verse 9, he said, Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. Somebody say, separate from me. And again, I will say, that did not mean Abraham was angry with Lot. He just felt there was a time to redefine how we are. You separate from me. If you take the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Because the land is so plenteous around us. Some of us have business partners and people we have done business with over time, either formally or informally, under a company or just as, 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 as things happen. But you find out that, you know, things are getting a bit stressful and the language you had a few years ago no longer seems to be the language you have now. You may need to consider separating, not for wickedness, not for sake of uh, uh, arguments or fighting, but for the sake of making sure that you don't allow evil that has a potential to foster out of that particular situation to thrive. He said, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. In Romans chapter 13, verse 12, it said, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Can I have Romans chapter 13, verse 12? Let us, let us put on the armor of light. The night is far spent. The night is far spent. Now, last week, or a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the fact that the Bible says in Psalm 30, verse 5, that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning light. Yeah? He said, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Between the night and the day, you must understand the transition. If you don't deal with certain things that are causing the weeping of the night, it is not automatic that you will enjoy the joy of the day. Some weeping things that are causing the weeping of the night need to be torn. They have caused enough weeping. There is a need to move to a joy. There's, they need to move to a new season. There is a need to change tactics, change approach, so that you can enjoy the day that is at hand. He said, let us cast off the works of darkness. The works of darkness have kept you in the weeping of the night. They have caused you a lot of pain. They have caused you a lot of inconveniences. But a time comes, you must understand that these are works of darkness, and you must cast them off and put on the armor of light. This is very important for us to learn as God's people. And all these take place in time. It takes an understanding of the time. It takes a recognition of the time. Every action is waiting for us to understand that the time is rife. This is the thing about time. Time moves on and presents opportunities, but never tells you what to do. You have to understand 
As time is going on, you have to understand what next to do. Like the sons of Issachar we have always talked about. You must understand that this is the time I need to address this matter. In your marriage, you need to weigh things. The longer marriage grows, the more you have opportunity to evaluate. A marriage of five years has less to evaluate from a marriage of 15 years and much less to evaluate from a marriage of 30 years. It's just natural because time has gone on in the other cases. Now, if people who are 20 years in marriage are living like those who are five years in marriage, they have, they have done a disservice to themselves because they haven't allowed time. They haven't allowed the reflections of time to know, help them know what to have tear, torn apart, what to have torn apart to not allow to continue to grow. He said that there is also a time to sow. That is what we read, Genesis 3, verse 7. He said there is also a time to sow. This means making strained relationships work again. The first one is a time to tear, putting apart things that are no longer working for the sake of making sure that it works better or things work better in time. But the time also comes where we must realize that certain things we have put apart, certain things we have separated and we have caused problems of, or we have had problems and we have had issues or have just taken a natural detour and there's been a separation. But we have to identify that if there is an opportunity to sow those things back and make it work where God is asking us to do so, then we have to work at it. This means we are making strained relationships work again. Genesis chapter 33 is a very interesting story of a man, uh, two brothers, Esau and Jacob. You know their stories, one of the most popular stories in the Bible. Jacob supplanted his brother, took his birth, stole his birthright basically, and stole his blessings. And Esau was a very, very hurt man. And they parted under that bitterness and that kind of situation. In Genesis chapter 33, Jacob made up his mind that I want to sow. It's time to sow. God has blessed me. I want to go and make up with my brother. He hasn't heard from Esau in a long time. He wasn't quite sure what Esau would feel like. So Jacob, in his wisdom, was very fortified and prepared that in case this man wants to fight, I should be ready to fight back. But the man he met was a very changed man. He did not meet that man that was bitter and angry and would have killed him if he had his opportunity when he stole his birthright. Genesis chapter 33, verse 1. He said, now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah. Everything Jacob did is always very interesting. He divided them among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. In my estimation, he put 100, 100, 100 each. So if those people want to fight the first 100, he will quickly carry the remaining 300 and run away. <laughs> that is just my own guess. He parted them and put them into four groups because he wasn't sure what this man, this his brother that he has done an evil thing to, was going to do. And every one of us must learn from this story. As Esau, especially, in verse 4, you can read the whole of Genesis 33, but verse 4, Genesis 33, verse 4, the Bible says, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. They sewed the relationship together again. And not once again in scripture did we hear that these two brothers ever had any clash anymore. There are times we need to sow. There are times we need to sow. Some of us, out of anger, have left some kind of friendships. 
Some of us might have left churches. Some people under the sound of my voice, you may have even left this church at a point because you were disappointed in men, maybe disappointed in me, or disappointed in somebody else, or disappointed in yourself that you couldn't meet up or something. And you, you, something keeps telling you every day, it's time to go back. It's time to go back to your brethren. Give them a ring again. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Because what happens in time is that if you refuse to sow, you will carry that unnecessary guilt. You will carry that pain and that thing continues to affect you. But that should also teach everyone a lesson. Don't tear down what could have a potential to be sown again. Don't tear down. Don't tear it violently. You can do a separation, but don't tear violently what you may have opportunity. You see, I always say this. For example, in the case of church, when somebody leaves a church and they live in such bitterness and they speak bad about the church and speak bad about the pastor or the leaders and they speak bad about the brethren in the church and they, they do so much bad things. Now, I always ask myself, how do they feel when that church continues to go and grow after one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, ten years, twenty years after they've left the church? How do they live with themselves? The churches that they probably said, this is the finished, it is finished. <laughs> you know, they may have said things like that. It's very, very dangerous. I say this because it fits into what we're saying today. It has nothing to do with castigating anybody or putting anybody down. But let's learn. Let's learn. As I say, when you pass through time, you can learn and you can share testimonies. In the year 2018, um, some brethren felt that they needed to leave our church here, our local assembly here in Warsaw. And um, we did everything like we normally would do if they have served very well and uh, done things. I encourage that they are released and prayed for into whatever God is having for them. But obviously there were some tension and some other brethren felt other kinds of things. I won't go into all that story. Some of you were part of it. You knew those times. Um, and as much as lied within me, I did everything I can to continue to walk in love till this day to everyone. And by the grace of God, a lot of those brethren now we are in touch regularly, help, uh, you know, saying hello, text, call from time to time, not all the time, but from time to time. And I thank God for that. But there is something that I noticed. In the year 2019, I had my 50th birthday celebration, just a year after all that incident. Everybody that knew me that I could reach, I reached to them, and we had it at Bescott Stadium. It was a massive event. A couple of hundreds of people were there, almost 300 people. Massive event. And people came. Some people came all the way from London, some, you know, from far parts of the country. And as you know, people will travel and do things. And it was a very thrilling day. And some people from my history, from 10 years in this country, 15 years, came as well. People I've not seen in a long time. But I noticed that some of these precious vessels from 2018 could not come. They were invited. They, they could come, but they could not come. And I learned from it. I asked myself, why would somebody not want to come for this thing other than maybe a sense of not feeling okay with themselves? So let us learn. If you are going to have an opportunity to sow again. Don't tear violently. Don't let it happen. Make sure that you are always living in a place where you have freed yourself. There is nobody I've ever been in a church with in my life that if I see them today, in all the churches I've been since I was a child, 
that if I see them today, I am not in a position to hug them. I'm not in a position because I have never left any church with hating anybody. Everybody must understand this. This is very important to state at this time because we have a lot that is going on in our world now. Not in our local assembly per se, but in our world today. There is a lot of disdain, a lot of acrimonious relationships within the body of Christ that we have to be very careful. And if it is the time for you to sow, to return to your church, you have been on that couch for too long, it's time to go back home. Everybody shout with me, go back home. Say, go back home. Now, we're happy for you to come here. That's fine. But if you belong to another church and you've sat on the couch all along and God is telling you today, you are watching this video, God wants you to know that the voice you have been hearing that I'm complimenting today is telling you to go back home. As long as it's time to go back and sue, go back and do it. These acts that we saw between Esau and Jacob significantly impacted on Joseph. Joseph was just a little boy, probably a teenager at this point, or maybe slightly older. And uh, he saw his uncle and his father embracing themselves. He has heard all the stories about how his father had to flee from his, 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 his uncle and what had happened. He had heard all the stories. He must have known. And even when they were going to prepare to meet him, he must, they must have, he must have all been told with all his other brothers that, you know, we're going to meet Uncle Lisa. We don't know what he'll be like. So seeing Uncle Lisa crying and weeping and holding Father Jacob was something that Jake, Joseph never forgot. And just a few years later, it was easy for him to do the same to his own brothers who did the worst thing. In his father's case, it was only him, his father, that that supplanted one person. In his brother's case, 11 of them ganged up against him. So, and he was able to forgive all of them at the same time. Every one of us must understand this. It is a time for us to realize our children are watching our behavior. One of the things that I learned from my own biological father today is the ability not to hold anybody in your heart. I've never seen a man live so free. I've never seen a man, despite all the church politics and church life, I saw him and witnessed firsthand. I'd never seen him talk negatively about a fellow brother or a fellow sister in the church. Never, not once. Of course, he expresses disappointment like any human being. But I've never seen him sit down and plotting and, and talking, you know, things. Never, not once. So I picked from him that there is a way you can live and free yourself from the things that affect people today. This is what Esau and Joseph, uh, Esau and Jacob taught their son and nephew Joseph, which we must also determine to be teaching young people. There is a time also to keep silent. He said, There is a time to keep silent. Say with me, there is a time to keep silent. This is a time to hear from God and at times to hear from man. Psalm 46, verse 10, the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. But in James chapter 1 verse 19, the Bible says, So then, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear. Let every man be swift to hear. Let every man be slow to speak and slow to wrath. Be swift to hear. Be slow to speak and uh, be slow to wrath. Amen. Are we still on camera? Praise the Lord. Let every man be swift to hear. Let every man be slow to speak and slow to wrath. 
if you look at the sequence, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. If you deal with the first, you prevent the second. And if you deal with the second also, you prevent the third. The wrath that we are quickly getting into many times is because we have never dealt with hearing properly. How many people have heard half information and have gotten so angry and so upset about the half information they have heard and they have taken that and grown bitter and they have spread that bitterness to many people. I have seen many times when a certain thing is said and you know what the, 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 the old Chinese whisper is all about. If I come to Brother Yemina and I whisper to him two sentences and I say them exactly and I say, you keep whispering to the next person what I said. By the time we call the last person at the end of the hall, you'll be shocked at what you will hear. It will have nothing to do with the first two sentences at all. <laughs> because everybody will repeat it in the way they understood it. Not necessarily the exact words. They will interpret it. I can say to Brother Yemi now that this telephone, this uh, mobile, mobile phone is, is black and it's an iPhone. But what he would understand is that this mobile phone is dark and is an iPhone. He has changed it. I said black, but he understood it as dark. And he tells uh, Dr. Ephraim, by the time Dr. Ephraim hears it, he had dark. Black has gone away completely from the equation, so it's no more in the distance. That dark may mean to him that the sound is not good. For whatever reason, it may mean that to him. So by the time he's telling Pastor Lola, he'll come and say that that mobile phone has a bad sound and it's not working well. By the time you get to the end, it will have nothing to do with a mobile phone. It will have nothing to do with the color. It will, it will say that donkey is a wild donkey. And you'll be wondering, <laughs> you'll be wondering where a, a donkey came into this thing. But somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody picked up something that looked like donkey and gave it that form. He said, let us be slow to speak, be swift to hear. If you want to be learning, you must be a good listener. Listen to yourself. Listen to your spouse. Listen to your children. Listen to your teachers. Listen in church. Listen, 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 listen. Every time, listen. We have a tendency in our generation to want to speak. By the grace of God, I'm blessed with very many good mentors People that are so much high and advanced in the things of professional life and ministry life that God gives me access to their life with just one phone call. And at times they want to call me and listen to me. And I'm like, I, I don't want you to listen to me. <laughs> I want to be listening to you. I will ask them a question. They will answer with two sentences and they want me to talk and say what I feel about it. And I always, always push it back to them because I want to always learn from them. Somebody who has gone 30 years, 40 years into something and I see what they are carrying. You have to force yourself to be listening. The ego in our time and the information craze that we have will always want us to say. The person is just advising you. You know, I noticed this thing on the internet about what you are doing. So oh, yeah, I've read it. Actually, I saw it the other time. I searched Google and uh, it was it. And then you start to give, if you know all that before, why has your life not? <laughs> and you know what such people do? If I call such a person and I'm trying to put in, I try because I know that people can be very eager to say what they're doing. So I listen, I try to put in. But once I try about two times and I see the person is not, I'll just say, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, God bless you, bye. <laughs> because there's nothing to say. 
No matter what I wanted to say, I would just leave them to what they believe. And many people will do this. There is a time to listen. Learning takes listening. We must be able to discern opportunities for learning and engage with the art of listening accordingly. Some of us are raised in cultures where it is a one-directional way of talking. Parents talk to children and that is it. You know, you take it or leave it. Why are you to argue with your father? If you argue, before you wake up, you see some stars like that. I won't tell you what brings them. But you will just see them there. So you don't argue with those people. But that's, that, 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 that's not the way. That's not the sensible way to live. Listen to those children. Listen to those children as long as they can reason and they can talk. Listening, hear them out because you can connect with what they're saying and you can help them better because you are listening. Meditation is most effective in quietness. We cannot be people who meditate effectively if we cannot learn how to be quiet, how to listen. The most creative minds in this world are people who can listen very well. They listen and they think. They listen and they think. Go and ask anyone who has ever established anything, invented anything, has ever run any organization successfully. He, knows, he or she knows how to listen and learn. And he or she knows how to think. So there is a time to keep silent. When we are silent, we can hear from God. When we are silent, we can hear from man. Then there is a time to speak, the Bible says. There is a time to speak. We must understand that God gives us the mouth so that we can speak. It's not just for food. When there is a time to speak, you see, we have, some of us have come from cultures where we are told that you should not be forward. And that is true. But at times, we don't, we don't do what is popularly called in the Western world, selling yourself. You have to learn to sell yourself. It is nothing to do with pride and self-centeredness. It is foolishness not to sell yourself when you need to sell yourself. You, you are not in humility. You are in stupidity. Sorry. If you are to open your mouth and say, this is what I can do. The people that are listening to you want to hear what you can do. The angel will not tell them. The Holy Spirit will not tell them. You will tell them. They will open your mouth and say, this is what I have done. This is what I can do. You are in an interview. They said, Mr. X, can you tell us what you have done that will, should enable us to do this job? You say, I'm very humble. You see, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I've not done much. But any job, just give it to me. <laughs> no. You would list your CV and tell them what you have done. Not because you are bragging, but because you want them to know. You are looking for a job, aren't you? You want them to know you can do the job. Don't lie. Don't say what you have not done. Don't say you can speak seven languages when you can only speak English and badly the way you <laughs> don't say Don't say that because they will test you with it when time comes. If you say you can speak Spanish and they say they're having a delegate from Spain and those people are not too good in English, they will just remember, ah, we have three years ago, there's this man that told us at interview <laughs> he can speak Spanish. When they bring you, I say, actually, excuse me, it's not, ah. <laughs> that would not be good at all. That is not a child of God. So don't say I can speak Spanish when you can't speak Spanish. But if you can do something and you've done something before, say you've done it. You have worked in Africa. You have done certain things. You have led teams. You have done this. Say it. Sell yourself in the context. It is a time to speak. Open your mouth and speak. There are times you need to speak to God. In worship, God wants to hear you. He said, open your mouth wide. I will feel it. He wants to hear you speak to him. Don't say, I am a silent worshiper. 
See, this I'm pastor, the thing is, I'm just a very silent worshiper. When I come before the presence of God and people are singing, and the worship leader say, now, let, let's bless the Lord. Let's open our mouth and bless the Lord. I'm a silent worshiper, so I just, mm, 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 mm. no, 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 no. That is not the time to keep silent. The lady, the brother, the sister said, open your mouth, lift up your hands, open your mouth, open your mouth and speak. Say, Lord, I love you. My soul sings. Lord, I treasure you. I, pray, I praise you. You are, the, you are the first and the last in my life. Speak whatever comes to your mind. It is a time to speak. Speak at the right time. Such people, when everywhere is to be silent, that is when they speak. So we must know the time to speak. Daniel chapter 4. Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a king that experienced God and the goodness of God. In verse 1, he said, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the peoples, nations, and language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. He said, I thought it good. Verse 2, I thought it good to declare the signs. I'm reading Daniel 4.2. And wonders that the Most High has worked for me. I thought it good to declare. Say, I thought it good. To declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. Testifying about the Lord's goodness is not bragging. It's not pride. When they say give a testimony and the Holy Spirit said, remember what I did for you yesterday. When that car, you are crossing the street and your son, you thought your son was following you. And suddenly, I told you to look back and you saw that your son was still right in the middle of the street. And you went and reached him immediately and brought him out. And the Holy Spirit said, that is a testimony I've given you there. And you said, but I don't want to make it sound as if I'm bragging. You are denying what God has done. In the congregation of the saints, let us not be people who don't speak of God's goodness. Let's declare his signs and wonders. Let's declare his goodness freely. In this church, we have an opportunity in many ways on, on our victory praise and victory prayer nights. We share testimonies. But every Sunday, we ask you, if you can't wait till then or you want to send it ahead of time, that you can put it and send it to an email address where it is compiled and read to the brethren for the doings of God. We don't share testimonies because we just want to say some things. We say it and share them because God expects us to always share his doings in our lives. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 31, also verse 8. He said, open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously. Verse 9. Open your mouth, judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. At times you have to speak on the behalf of others. Everyone must understand no matter what level you are, there are people who are looking at you and aspiring to be like you. There are people who your word and the word you put in on their behalf can go a long way in affecting their lives. When it's time to speak on their behalf, don't be quiet. What you say at times can affect a whole generation. That one word you put in at times can change the lot of a family and change the cause of a whole people nation. It is important. Speaking at the right time can save a city and generations of people from oppression. This was what happened in the story of the butler that was a butler to Pharaoh in the days of Joseph. Genesis chapter 41. This was the man who Joseph had told in prison that he would be freed. 
he will be freed and he will be serving the king again. And he told the baker that he was going to be dead. And it happened exactly two years later. He had forgotten. Then one day he spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. And then he continued to talk about how Joseph interpreted his dream and how he has come back to be restored. And in verse 9, uh, verse 14, then the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out. Somebody said they brought him quickly out. Say they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. Because, say with me, because of somebody who spoke at the right time. That was the difference. Pharaoh could not have brought Joseph out of the dungeon if that man had not spoken. So every one of us must understand that from time to time we are like that butler. You need to put in a word for somebody. You are in front of people that matter in your organization. And they are kind of wanting to promote somebody. And they are kind of needing to just find out from you. How, you know, they, you, you, what, what you think. Now, that is the most opportune time for you to say, especially when the person is truly deserving of such, ex, uh, of such promotion and lifting. That is the time for you to seize that moment and speak. Don't say, I will not say anything. In fact, the last time that man was to speak for me, he did not speak for me. So this is my chance to repay him. <laughs> This is my God-given chance. No, it's not a God-given chance. The butler said, I remember my fault this day. That means he had been 40 for two years. He should have spoken for two years. We agree that was in the process of time that God allowed. But the reality is that I, he said, I remember. Verse 9, go back to verse 9. He said, I remember my fault these days. I remember my fault this day. Don't hold on to a fault when you need to speak. When I came into this country in the year 2000, within a very short time, someone says speed. Within a very short time, I came like anybody on a student visa. I came into the country in 2000. By 2003, I was in a position, not, no longer on a student visa, I was in a position to be giving people admission to come to this country. Short time, short time, short time. So I asked myself, why will God give somebody, and I was much younger, of course, 20 years ago, I was much younger, I would be much younger, I'd take 20 from my age. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I said, why would God give such a, a, an opportunity to me? Then I realized that this was about changing the destinies of people. It's not about giving admission for people to come to England to study. No, no. Because one, English education is one of the best in the world. Do we want to put our hands together for the Lord for that? <laughs> Hallelujah. No, English education is, is, is sound. Those of us that got PhD here, when we go to other countries to present seminar, Australia, USA, when they say the English person is from United Kingdom, everybody keep quiet. <laughs> Even if they are the ones saying the correct thing, they keep quiet. Because there is a way the country has established a brand of seriousness. Seriousness. So I came to this country three years before 2000. I learned about managing urban water supplies at WEDEC, we call it, in Loughborough University. I went back to Nigeria and I was doing water treatment and water supply like child's play. My boss said, you have been transformed. I said, I don't know. I said, those people, eight weeks, they put something in my head. My, my life has never remained the same. 
They changed me. Wonderful way of educating people in this country. So I realized that it can change people. And we're still doing it today. That is why by the grace of God, we engage with the Commonwealth Scholarship Commission to bring people here on a regular basis. We have brought five people here from Nigeria in the last five years. I think you should appreciate God for, for that great opportunity. Who have trained with us and we have placed them in different areas of public health, different areas of sports, different areas of youth development. And they have gone back to Nigeria. Some of them doing a very fantastic job. Gone back to Africa doing great stuff. Because it's opportunity. So when I learned at that early age, early time that God gave me that opportunity, I was not just signing admission letters for the sake of getting numbers for my university. As I moved from Nigeria to Ghana to Cameroon, the countries we were covering then, every letter I was writing, I was praying, Lord, establish your divine counsel for this person. Basically, because I understand that some of those signed letters were going to change lives forever. Some of those people today are British citizens doing very well. Some of them went back doing fantastic jobs, fantastically well back in those countries, established jobs, employing people because of the opportunity of a British education. Now, I could have sat down there as we were driven from British High Commission, Lagos to Abuja, to, and be eating all the barbecue and just drinking, forgetting myself that God gave that opportunity for the sake of changing destiny. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when is a time to speak, make sure you speak, especially on the behalf of those that are needing your help. The Bible says there is a time to love. We need to know that the time to love is constant. We need to love God and man always. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said there were commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He said this is the first and great commandment, verse 38. Then verse 39 says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When the young people were sharing, one of our brothers in the life teens, it was such a thrill to watch these young, young, young men share the word of God this morning. And I want to thank God for all the teachers, the life kids, the life teens. Let's appreciate God for them. The life youth did not present today, but thank God for them. A lot of things were, were running through my mind. When this church started eight years ago, some of those kids were very young. But I can see some men. <laughs> I can see some men, imagine, yeah. Hallelujah. And they are commanding the scriptures gradually. And I tell you, and when one of them was sharing about 70 times 7, it touched me again. Peter said seven times. <laughs> How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times. He's the one that asked the question. He's the one that answered it. <laughs> he said, How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus said, Not just seven. It's seven times 70. <laughs> Which means there's no need to count it. Just keep loving, keep forgiving. And that touched me again this morning. We must understand that love is everything we need to live per time. Loving God, loving people. Living like that makes you an exceptional human being. It takes you out of the league of the common man. Common men choose when to love. Common men choose conditionally. Common men love those that love them. Common men love those that can bless them. Common men do those things. Don't live like common men. Love people who cannot give you anything back in return. Love the unlovable. That is what makes you godly. He said there is a time to love. And as long as you are in this world, now is that time. This moment is that time. Don't say because the Bible said there is a time to love. Right now as I am. It's not the time for me to love. No. A time to love is commanded all the time. As long as you are in this world, 
You must be loving always, loving God, loving people. That is a commandment. But it says there is a time to hate. That you can recognize and deal with. This talks about de dealing with every manifestation of evil. There is a time to deal with every manifestation of evil. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. It's to hate evil. Every appearance of evil must not be loved by man. I love watching comedy. I like enjoying comedy things that make me laugh. But the moment I see evil, I move on to the next thing because I cannot be laughing at what God is crying about. I can't. You must understand that whatever makes God weep is not what you should be enjoying. It is evil and you must also hate it. You have a right to hate evil. You don't have a right to hate any human being whatsoever. But you have every right to hate evil. Amos chapter 5 verse 15 says, Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. He said, it may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious and to the remnant of his people. That is Amos chapter 5 verse 15. Every one of us must understand that the things that we look at and are doing on a consistent basis... We need to understand the manifestations of evil in our lives, through our lives. You see, if you don't hate sin, you cannot be eager to save a sinner. Don't hate the sinner. Hate the sin. When you hate the sin, the love of God will work in you to deliver the sinner, to help the sinner to stop sinning. Everyone who is called of God must be passionately hating every form of evil. When you see oppression and wickedness, don't close your eyes. Don't be like the priest and the Levite that saw a, 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 a man who is hurting and helpless and walked by the side without doing anything. You must hate what situation that person has been put into and let the love of God help you to help that person out of it. It is a time for us to hate evil and every manifestation of evil. And find, uh, second to the last thing there, he said there's a time for war. There's a time for war. Now, of course, we know that in the physical, there are wars that we fight and battles that we fight. Nation among nations. That's not specifically what the Bible is talking about. But we must also understand that when war is declared, many of our generation are not living, have not lived in wars unless you have lived in a country that fought a war recently. I was born when my home country, Nigeria, was right in the middle of a civil war. And I used to tease my parents that how on earth were you people still able to have children when they said the whole place was burning and everything because there were so many children born my time. And, um, you know, they used to just laugh that life had to continue. But the reality is that there is a time for that, and we must understand how to live within those times. I understand that when the World War was happening, Second World War was happening in this country, the underground stations were very, very useful. They were bunkers that people were hid for many, many days at a time because the bombs could not get there. London was almost leveled completely. Can't believe it. Till today, as I walk around the country and provide consultancy services for, for different clients who are putting up buildings on some of the derelict sites, we still find relics of... World War II bombs on some places. Not that they are still active, but what was used to shell the country and level many places. 
Now that time was hard. That time was harsh. We must understand that in such times, the wisdom to engage with how to live is there. But that is not the war that we need to focus on. As Christians, there is a warfare that we are engaged in. Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Every time you see flesh and blood behaving in a way that is untoward and senseless and wicked and mean, don't concentrate on the flesh and blood. Deal with the spirit behind the flesh and blood, whoever that flesh and blood is. Deal with that spirit. The Bible says, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. They are an organized hierarchy of evil. They walk through systems, walk through people. They walk through animals. They walk through situations. They walk through the wind. They walk through the storms. Our whole world, I'm a scientist and I publish papers and write and do things. At the, at the present time, I'm, I'm, I am a mentor to a group of about 26 people who have been selected from all over the world to go to the biggest climate change event in, in, that will be happening in Glasgow in November called COP26. By the grace of God. And I talk about climate change. I understand the science about climate change. But you know something? That kind of thing that happened in Germany last week is not the issue of climate change. That is devil just trying to just ravage a community again. COVID-19 has nothing to do with just uh, epidemics or pandemic. It, they are, these are demonic activities that hide themselves. Now, I have said to you, I am a scientist. I believe in all the scientists, science principles that supply, support those things. I don't refute them. But I also have a deeper understanding that there are things that are orchestrated from the spirit. Many times, what the world has seen in COVID is not something that the world should fold its arms and just think it's something that has come ordinarily like that. This is why the church must be serious about spiritual warfare, praying consistently. Do you know how many people have died? Do you know how many businesses have been ruined? Do you know how many lives have been changed? And many things that have happened in the course of those times. So we must keep worrying when we see manifestations of things like this. We must put down our, our scientific thinking, our historical knowledge, and our permutations, and everything that we know to do in the logic, and engage with spiritual forces that are usually behind these things. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds in 1 Corinthians 10.3. And finally... I've just managed to touch on every one of those things. There are so many things we can say. But finally, he said there is a time for war. There is a time of war. There is a time of war. Then there is a time of peace. That's the final one. A time of peace. This is where we must demonstrate mastery over arguments and rancor. We must demonstrate mastery over situations of turmoil. Matthew 5, 9. Let's read Matthew 5, 9 together. If we have it on the screen, let's project it. Matthew 5, 9. Everybody, please read it loud and clear. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Read it again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I want you to note the word peacemaker. Peacemaker. Peace manufacturer. Peace distributor. Peace enforcer. Peace engineer. I will use engineer because I'm an engineer. Peace administrator. Peacemaker. 
you must be somebody who goes out to make peace. We have a troubled world. Have you ever met a person you just want to say, hello, how are you? I say, I'm fine. What do you want to Oh, hello. I was just saying hello. That's all. <laughs> we have a bitter world. Many people, very bitter, angry people all over the place. Drivers. The thing has just turned. In fact, it's still on amber. It hasn't gone to green. You are looking at it. It's still on amber. And as it's just, it's just that first second is going to green, you hear, move, move. And if you see, you look in your rear mirror and you see somebody throwing hand like that, move out of the way. Hey. <laughs> just be at peace all the time. It's a very interesting story that Joel Austin told us some time back about a woman who said she had a sticker that says, Honk, if you love Jesus, at the back of her car. So when the first person did it at the first junction, the person honked that they loved Jesus. So the woman was very happy, and she waved them back, and they waved. When she got to the next junction, the light had moved from green, red to green. And then the person behind her honked and honked because she wanted her to move. But she was not moving. She was waving, thinking that it's about the Jesus thing again. <laughs> and then she said, it was such a wonderful experience in the place. And then before she knew it, everybody came and were honking and honking. <laughs> he said, I didn't know so many people in our city love Jesus like this. <laughs> it's not that that was not Jesus. <laughs> she thought they were honking because of Jesus. No, they were honking to get out of the way. <laughs> So it's not that kind of thing. But you know, be a peacemaker. Every time you see and sense that there is an opportunity for warfare, I mean, strife and those kind of things, step out and make peace. Our world is devoid of true peace. Only Jesus can give true peace. And every one of us must understand that we are blessed when we are peacemakers. Romans 13, 11, and I close on this, says, and do this knowing the time. Knowing the time. Knowing the time. Say with me, knowing the time. You need to know the time that now is high time to wake out of sleep. Salvation is nearer than when we first believe. The night is fast spent. We have read that. The night, day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and embrace the armor of light. Let us walk properly. Verse 13. Say with me, let us walk properly. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness, and lust, not in strife, and envy. Let us put those things aside. We don't have time for those things again. Do you know that a child that was born when this church was inaugurated is almost going into secondary school? Just two more years, they'll be off to secondary school. A child that was born when this church that is just barely eight years old, time waits for no one. When I see people who are always engaging in things that are wasting of time, strife, envy, lewdness, lust, and wasting their time. Men who should be men in their homes and leading their families, still hanging out with the boys at 45. Which boys? Which boys? You need to grow up and take time at your hand. In 10 years, you'll be 55. In 20, 20. 20 years, you'll be 75. And it comes quickly. Don't waste your time. Ladies who are just always arguing, 
about the next party to go, the next hair to buy, the next bag to buy. Don't waste your time. I'm not saying those things are bad, but you know, you must understand that there are more important things for you to do. Don't engage in lewdness and lust after things, in strife and envy, drunkenness, revelry. There is no time for those things. Let us work properly. I pray that God will help us as we have gone through these four sessions of the first part to understand the purpose of time, that God will help us to be knowing the time. I say God will help us to be knowing the time. In the name of Jesus. Every time God opens your eyes to see that you are in a position to help others and you engage with it, what he does in my little experience is that he promotes you so that you can do more. I say he promotes you so that you can do more. But you need to know the time where you are now as to how much influence you command. Even though you may not see it, but God has put you there to be a blessing. Continue to be a blessing in the name of Jesus. May God continue to cause these words to bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Where